We're going to talk about value this, this morning. Uh, you guys know that it's been a hot topic in the news and across our country, really around the world, when it comes to the subject of the value of human life. And in particular to the unborn, we've been talking about that. And, and every time something pops up, whether it's um, in defense of the value of human life or someone trying to speak um, and devalue human life on, on any level, especially when it comes to the unborn, I've become more and more and more firm in my stance on what the Lord says about the, the, the intrinsic value of human life from the very moment of conception, from the moment it enters our physical reality. Anyways, so we're going to be talking about your value today, though. A lot of times we talk about value of the unborn, and it become lost on us that that same value we're talking about, that that unborn has, applies to myself and to my neighbor as well. It applies to all of us here. So when I'm fighting for the rights of the unborn, I'm, all, I'm actually also fighting for the rights of every single one of us to live. But right now, the microscope has been put on the unborn. Anyways, let's talk about value this morning and your value. I had an encounter with uh, two customers a couple weeks ago. And this, this encounter, the only reason I bring it up is because, to me at least, it's never happened. I've never had just the strangest, weirdest thing. So there was a, a piece of furniture that someone wanted. This is at the thrift store, of course. And a piece of furniture someone wanted. He walks over to it, and he, does, and he gives it the inspection, you know, and He's inspecting it and looking at it and considering it. And, and I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be here forever. I'm going to go help another customer real quick. I go help another customer. I'm helping this customer, and she, she also knows. She's like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in that piece that gentleman's looking at. So she, too, goes and begins and evaluates it and, and looks it over. And, and they're, both, they're both considering the same exact piece of furniture, Right? And I'm wondering, oh, man, this is going to be one of those classic battles over a piece of furniture. I love it because it's happened before, and, and it, it, it doesn't happen too often. But when it happens, it's great. People fighting over a piece of furniture. You know, I start to become an auctioneer. Well, if you want to pay a little more, then, you know, we'll prefer you or, or whatever. And, but that's not what happened this time. This time, the, uh, the gentleman that first looked at it, he looks at it, and, and he's like, it's not worth it. It's, it's not worth it. And the lady's like, no, I, I really like it. I, I think I really like it. And he said, don't you buy that piece. And he said, and I'm standing right here. I'm right here. I'm like, dude, I'm, are, you are you really trying to sabotage my sale right now? Is that what's happening? And, and he's like, don't buy it. Look at it. And he starts, he starts going over every single detail of why the piece is not worth what we're asking for. it. Now, given this is also on a half-off day, so it's, so it's way beyond worth what we're asking for it. Yeah. And then the lady, she just kind of stands there for a minute. She looks at me, but it's almost as if she was, like, looking at him, almost as if she was saying this directly to him, but looking at me and said, I'll take it. I love it. I'll take it. I want it. I'll take it. Yeah, I write her up the tag, and she takes it in. And later she's like, I cannot believe that gentleman. Like, these, these are, this is a, an amazing deal. But it's funny because two people looking at the exact same piece, Two completely different ideas of what its value is. And, of course, over pieces of furniture and items, that can happen. Um, uh, you know, you, you, there's, there's a multitude of considerations when looking at something's value, how old it is and 
well, how new it is, and well, is it, a, is it old age a good thing, or is it old age a bad thing, and, and does it function, and what was its original purpose, and all these things, and I can imagine as they're evaluating this piece, that's what's going through their mind, and they're picturing where it's going to go in their home, and all of this stuff, but one says, no, not worth it. The other one says, yes, it is worth it. Man, I've never had that in front of me. Not, not the debate between the pieces, but, but, the late, but one person being so firm against it. And in the presence of the person who's being so firm against it, the other person being so firm in, in her thought, this is way worth it. I, I, am, I am all over this. And, she, and it, it was great. I almost, I, I, I almost wanted to reward her somehow. I was like, this is amazing. You, you made my day today by doing, by doing that. Man. And if you've ever been at the thrift store and dealt with that, you know how frustrating it can be when customers are evaluating pieces sometimes. So to have someone so fervently on your side is, well, it's a, it's a rare treat sometimes. Okay. This debate, though, over value... It's happened throughout history over all sorts of items. We actually engage in this same debate with God over the value of ourselves. It's like we're saying, well, according to this measure, I'm not worth it. Saying according to this measure, God, look, well, when you look at me to this measure, to this standard, I'm not worth it. And then God fervently, just firm in his stance said, according to my measure, You are worth it. And we've had these moments throughout our lives that we have this debate with God. And it's hilarious that we debate God, you know. And I'm glad that he gave us minds so that we can think through things and process things. And he's he's willing to engage us on this field of debate because he knows he's rock solid. But he also knows that he has all the ammo to back it up as far as the logic that goes behind this. John 3.16, we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It continues, of course, but God so loved, God so valued you, God so saw you worth it that he paid the highest price for you. The highest price for you. So whatever it takes for this person, every now and then, we get the per- a person come to the store that loves what we do here at the salt mine and loves our impact in the community, and they may, they may not even know uh, uh, our, our faith background. They just see that we are having an impact on the community, and they like it. And so every now and then someone comes in, and they ask me to raise the price on something so they can give us a little more. God's saying, whatever it takes, I want it. You are worth it to me, to my measure. You see, there is a, a freedom, there is a peace, a security in knowing that I don't have to fight for my worth. That when it comes to my value, I don't have to work to move the needle one way or another. And not only do I have to not work to move the needle up, there's nothing that I can do to move the needle down. There's nothing I can do to decrease my value. There's a freedom, a peace, a security in knowing that we don't have to fight for our worth, our value. I don't have to worry about arbitrary value scales that attempt to measure my worth because God sees fit to reach out and save me. Because God has a measure, a standard, 
And this standard that he uses is the absolute standard, the true standard. It is reality. See, our culture is in a constant crisis of value and worth. Uh, Everything. You look around and and one person that looks like they have it all sees themselves as worthless and nothing. And another person that is happily content with having near nothing understands their true value in Christ. And they think they have it all. Some people look around and say, well, there's a way for me to become worth more than you. And, or maybe that person's worth more than me. There are these value scales all over the place. This is a crisis we, because we have freedom in Christ, we do not have to partake in. We don't have to fight over our value. We don't have to pay attention to these arbitrary scales of value. If, if you have... Uh, if you've paid attention to any of the, um, you know, of course the millennials, but then this next generation that's coming, coming up, they're, they're very, a lot of them are very concerned with how many followers they have on said social media site and what one person said about them and, and another because this is, this is one of their generation's forms of value. And it's funny because they consider that a, a, a uh, standard to measure their value, and then just the generation above them is like, what are you doing? You know? And they have some other stand, arbitrary standard that they're trying to live up to. But God says there's only one standard, and it's my standard, and I've already said it. You're are, you already measure up. The never-ending, exhausting pursuit to measure up is over for us because truth, because the truth is that every human life is valued, loved, and precious to God himself. Precious to God himself. We don't have to adjust these arbitrary scales of value and worth. We don't have to adjust to them. We can live confident in who we are because of this freedom Christ has given us, even to the point of boldly approaching the throne. Right? He says, look, I, I, I am giving you so much that I want to reach out and I want to save you. I want to give you this freedom. And in the fullness of this freedom, you can boldly approach God himself. But we know that Satan's goal is to rob us of that freedom. Take it away at any, any chance, any, any turn he gets, opportunity. If we let him, he'll, he'll try to snatch it away. Turn your eyes back to some sort of scale of value that is not God's measure so that you now subject yourself to slavery a form of slavery by trying to constantly measure up Galatians 5.1 reads for Christ has set you free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery there's a slightly different context here but The meaning applies to what we're talking about this morning, that Christ has set you free for one purpose, so that you can have freedom. So that you can have freedom, and all that freedom means. Not so that you have to continue to fight. Not so that you can have, you know, an an upgrade in your armor and your ability somehow, so that you can fight for your value better, more effectively. Not not so that you have one up on somebody, but so that you can have freedom. Freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. 
there's no reason for Christ, uh, there's no other reason for Christ to set you free from sin, from death, from the backward standards of this world, than for you to live in true freedom for eternity. You know that your eternal freedom starts now? It's, it's here right now. Like I'm looking forward to the day that Christ comes. I'm looking forward to the day that I get to dwell in, in God's kingdom, that, I, I, that all pain, all suffering is, is wiped away. We're looking forward to that. We have our eyes focused on it. Yes, amen. We're, we're, I, I am enjoying the thought of, of being in His presence for all of eternity. But the freedom that we look forward to there starts now. It's here for us to have now. See, when Satan convinces you to live your life by another measure of value other than God's measure of value, he has robbed you of your freedom. Because now you're fighting for something you already have. And you're worried and concerned about something you have. There's no peace when you're, when you're fighting and, and battling for something Christ has already given you. And when you step out of his umbrella of freedom, there's no peace, there's, there's no enjoyment. Even this morning, just the simple act of just... We, we want to worship the Lord well. Yes, Mike, we want to worship him well, but simple act of just enjoying that freedom that the Lord gives me just to, just to worship with a few mess-ups and hiccups here and there, knowing that it doesn't actually affect who I am, and knowing that I'm in a, a community that loves me, even if I get a measure off, you know. It's... Satan wants to rob you of your freedom. He, he hates the fact that you can live so free. He hates the fact that you can live almost nonchalant when it comes to your value, because he hates that God has put such a high value on your life. He hates that. He can't stand it. And he wants to see you just crumble. He's saying, you know, I can't change the value. And he knows this. He knows that he can't change the value that God has put on your life. He can't, he can't move the needle. But he can con- try to convince you that you're less than what God says you are. And he can convince you that you, it's your job to fight for your worth and your value. He can convince you that you somehow can move the needle. And as soon as he done, has done that, he knows, oh, I, I, can't, I can't change the value of these people. But I can rob them of their freedom. Right? I tend to be a little bit... Um, I don't know what the word is. Careless. I'm sure there's a better word. You guys know me. Um, but if I break something, people usually aren't surprised. That's just the way that I say it. Is that right, Riley? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brutal. If I break something, people aren't surprised. Um, huh? And, and people get really frustrated with me sometimes because from them, what it portrays is that I'm not treating an item or a thing according to what its value is, right? This thing's either expensive or means a lot to me or it's precious or you don't know this thought. You need to be careful with this item, right? You, you need to treat this. There's a way that you treat items with value, right? It's 
So we have museums, and we have big vaults, and all of, all of this stuff. And that's why we keep our furniture clean, and all of this stuff. And, and God says, you have this immeasurable value that I place on you. There's, there's a measure of value that I've placed on you. And you should act and live according to that, to that standard of value, that measure, right? You don't have to worry about it. But Satan goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to convince them otherwise. I'm going to convince them that they aren't who God says they are. I'm going to convince them that their value isn't where God says they are. And so they're not going to act as children of God. They're not going to act as people who God himself has fought for and won your freedom. They're not going to act as if they can't change their value. Instead, I'm going to get them to, to act and live in a way that they're always trying to vie and compete and, and move the needle. And if it moves up, I'm going to give them a momentary, I, I, I'm going to convince them that this is the, this is, you have arrived. You're now more valuable than that person, or you've achieved this skill, and so, so you've moved up in the world. And I'm going to convince them that when they've done something wrong, when they've done something bad, when they've done something that, I've, that, that is a perceived decrease of their value, Oh, I'm going to make them feel it. I'm going to make them never forget it. Satan wants to rob us of our freedom that we have in him every single day. Every single day. We, I, I have the same freedom that you guys have. And I, I speak about this in broad terms all human life because when we realize that not only I have this same freedom, we're not only realize that I am valued this way. Not only do I begin acting this way, but then I'm looking at my neighbor and saying, hey, you don't have to live this way. There's freedom for you. And so not only do I understand my value, I understand his or her value, and I begin fighting for their value because I know that, well, if they are worth it enough for God to fight for, then certainly I can come alongside them and fight for them, fight for their worth, fight for their freedom, right? We do that every Sunday here when, uh, at the end when we say, hey, come up for prayer. We want to meet you here at the altar. What we're saying is we want to approach God with you and we want, to, we, want to, we want to get you on the right track. We want you to embrace the freedom and we're going to fight for your freedom alongside of you. That's what we do here every Sunday when we're praying for one another. That's why we have prayer lists in our bulletins. So that throughout the week we can, we can know this is, this is where Satan is going to try to attack them or this is where they're at in their life and, and I want to come alongside them and fight for their freedom. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to give you just two examples today. You know, once you've allowed yourself to become slave to another measure that you can never measure up to, it's going to be one of pain and hurt, worry, and true captivity. And that's where Satan wants you, captive. He knows that believers, he knows that humans who follow Christ and have true freedom are dangerous to him and his mission and his goal. Let me give you two examples. And these are just examples of, of lies Satan uses to try to convince us so that we can relinquish our freedom in Christ. This list is, I mean, this isn't an exhaustive list, but this, I mean, there's any number of ways that Satan tries these tricks on us. Here's one example of a, of a lie that Satan will try to attach to you. Satan will, Satan will try to convince you that your value is attached to your actions. 
try to convince you that your value is attached to your actions, your thoughts, your motives, your mistakes, even your successes. He'll try to convince you that you as a human, your value moves with your actions. It goes up, it goes down, all that stuff. We're going to look at um, one of Jesus' followers. Can't help but think of Peter in, in this situation. Well, Peter, we know, denies Christ. Right? Turn with me to John 18. We'll throw it up on the screen. We're in John 18, 15. We're going to skip around a little bit. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did an, uh, another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard. But Peter stood outside at the door, and so the other disciples who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl, girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not, not me. Now the servant and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. So Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. And we're going to skip down to uh, verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, said, I am not. And one of his servants, the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And then at once the rooster crows. We know Jesus says earlier in the evening, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. I want you to think about this. Let's put Peter into perspective here for a second. This is, this is Peter, the one who God, God said about him, is a rock who the gates, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against him. He said, you're going to be a rock when it comes to the church that I am building. This is you, Peter. And then Peter has this moment, the rooster crows. I can imagine him thinking back to that and thinking like, I have failed. I have, I have, I have dipped way under the call that the Lord has called me to. Jesus was obviously wrong about who I am. Think about the, the emotions that are running through his mind, similar to when we have fallen short or when we have stumbled. And we be, instantly begin to think, man, I, we make a mistake that doesn't line up with who Christ says we are. And we instantly start thinking, man, this is who I am now. Is this, is this who I am? He's like, I'm not worth it. How... How, how can someone of such value do something so, so dumb? How can someone do something so wrong? And Christ says all these things about me. He says, I am holy, but I don't live as a holy person. He says that I, should, I, I have his spirit dwelling inside of me, but, but I'm not living as, as spirit is inside of me. God loves me. I'm not worthy of, of his love. We fall in the trap of attaching our actions to who we are and the worth of our actions we adopt as our own value the worth of our actions, we begin to adopt as our own value. We say, look, I do great things. I am a great man. We say, look, I'm pitiful. How, look at me, my value must match. I think it's one of the reasons that we can, uh, that 
we here at the Salt Mine can work with, the, with uh, our homeless so well because we understand that their value isn't attached to their actions. We understand that what they've done, what they're saying, doesn't necessarily line up with the value that God has put on them, but that value is not changing. It's not moving. Just because they're in a down and out or just because they're choosing to live this off lifestyle or just because they're not choosing freedom, it doesn't, doesn't change their value, right? But Satan so convinces us that we, our value is connected to our actions because what that actually does is at no point does it actually push you up in life. It acts as just this massive boulder that's attached to your back and you're trying to live life with it. He wants to enslave you. At this moment, I believe uh, Satan is reminding Peter of some past events. Remember, Peter walked on water, right? He walked on water. Jesus says, come and walk on it. And I, I envision Peter as being the guy that just jumps out of the boat, just jumps right out of the boat, just impulsive, just, just, just does it. And all of us have some impulse stories, right? Just like where we've just done stuff. I know I have a bunch. It often gets me hurt. You're minding, like, you're, you're impulsive. You're saying, you just instantly denied Christ three times. And then, you remember back when you just jumped out of the boat, walked on water, and then you made a fool of yourself because then you got all worried and afraid? That's you, Peter. The, the dumb impulse guy who doesn't think. How are you supposed to be the rock of this, of this church when this is obviously who you are? Satan at every turn trying to convince us that we are what we do. But we know later Jesus rises from the dead. We're not going to read it, but in Mark 16, you can go read it for, your, for yourself. Um, it makes mention that uh, when, Jesus, when Jesus is telling Mary, go get the disciples, go, go get them, I'm, I'm alive, go fetch them and meet, me, and meet me here. It's included in this passage in verse 7, but go tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter. Peter's been living the last three days, you know, Jesus has been dead, he's been living the past three days with this weight on his shoulders about but denying Christ. And I can imagine that this is just a weight lifted. He's saying, get my disciples, and of course, Peter's one of the disciples, he says, and Peter. Because Peter, you're not disqualified from the call that I've called you to. Your value hasn't changed. Your purpose hasn't changed. You are still Peter, the rock, that I will build my church. Our actions do not move the needle one way or another when it comes to our value and our worth as God's children. Amen? Is this connecting? Almost as if Jesus saying is, make sure Peter knows that his worth, his value as a follower of Jesus isn't tied to his failures. Make sure that he knows that I, Jesus have the final word about his worth and about his identity. When we come to realize that God is who he says he is, we understand that what he says goes no matter what. It's just, just period. This is, this is why the, the, Christian, um, the Christian lifestyle, discipleship, becoming a follower of Christ doesn't stop at saying yes to Christ. Because we want to learn more and more and more about this Jesus, about this God. We want to know what he says about us. We want to know about the things that he said about this reality so that we can line ourselves up with it. 
Christ has, off, it has offered you freedom, has bought your freedom. But Satan's trying to convince you that your value is connected to your actions. And when he does that, he puts you in bondage, puts you in slavery. Now you have to vie, you have to, you have to fight for your worth. He convinces you that you are disqualified from the call. He wants to keep you from walking in freedom. He wants to prevent you from giving glory to God for His work because now you think that your work is moving the needle. Not God's actions, not God's measure. We think of actions sometimes in the context of just our, uh, just our failures and successes and that kind of thing, but we can also tie these actions to include our talents and our abilities or lack of those things. We begin tying our value to those things as well. We have to remember that freedom is for every area of our life at all stages. When your value is attached to your actions then you should expect your value to grow, plateau, and then decline, right? If that was true, if our, act- if our actions were tied to our value, to our worth, then you'd expect the same trend line. Your value increases, and then it plateaus, and then it decreases. This is especially too- true with talents, because even I know, I'm, I'm 26, even I know that there's things that I can't do that I kid when I was younger, Right? So what does that mean? If I'm not able to do things I once was able to do, am I, and if my value's tied to my actions, abilities, and talents, then I'm not as valuable as I once was, right? This is a way that Satan attacks us as we age, as we see a new generation rise up, and they're doing things way crazy. They're moving, like, they're moving. Like, I know that I... I I can move. I know that I can get stuff done, but then sometimes I see some of these guys that are only like 10 years younger than me, and they're just on fire, and they're just moving, and they can get stuff done. And I'm thinking, man, I, I don't quite do that anymore, and I'm only 26. Like, is this it for me? <laughs> like, is it downhill at 26? <laughs> I'm over here just trying to convince myself I'm more strategic than them. That's all it is. But what Satan wants to do is he wants to, con- he wants to convince you that, oh, you're not able to do those things anymore. Well, there's a little notch down for you. You're a little less than you once were, right? He wants to convince you that your talents are tied to those things, you know? I know where I'm at as far as, like, my, abil- my abilities in different areas of life. When it comes to drumming, when it, when it comes to uh, speaking in front of all of you guys, when it comes to uh, myself as a husband and as, as a dad, I know where my talents, my abilities lie. But Satan wants to get into every single one of those and say, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. This is tied to who you are, so you need to, you need to work harder at this. Stephen, you need to be up on that kit every day. You need to be up there every single day practicing, practicing to get better because your worth, your worth is tied to that ability or to that talent. But we know that's not true. It's probably why I don't practice as much. No. No. It's more of a time thing. At least that's what I say. 
Freedom is for every area of life at all stages. No matter what happens in life, no matter where you're at in life, freedom is for you. And that means that your value being founded in Christ does not change because of circumstances, does not change because of time, does not change because of actions, doesn't change because of your ability or inability. Are we tracking? Yeah? All right. When we are convinced that these contribute toward defining our worth, we are unable to see God's glory because now we are focused on the benefit it brings to our name and not His. You guys catch that? Yeah? Because now, now I'm going out and I'm doing things. Now I, I'm, I'm doing all of my actions and I'm supposed to live my life in a way that gives glory to God. But if I am convinced that my actions are tied to my value then I'm working and I'm moving and I'm living so that I can increase my value once I've been convinced of that lie. And no longer am I able to live in a way that gives glory to God because I'm focused about my own glory because Satan's convinced me of a lie. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you a story that makes me look really dumb real quick. You guys ready? Okay, so when I was dating Riley, you guys know that um, Riley and I have been married for four years, and uh, we've um, been in a relationship for seven, eight, seven, eight years, something like that. But on my very first date with her, I, of course, at the time had a very cruddy car. It got me from point A to point B. If I needed to go uphill, I needed to turn the air conditioner off. So I had just enough power. I also needed to break the, the, uh, I needed to break the speed limit uh, getting up to that hill because I knew by the time I got up there I was going to be near zero. Um, this was a crazy little car. So we were going to go to um, Sacramento, I think it was. We were going to go to Old Town Sac. Yeah, there was something else involved. We were going to go to Old Town Sac. And anyways, her parents, of course, didn't want me driving my little crutter to Sacramento, you know, and with her, their daughter in, in the car. So Leslie offered that her mother, her, that she offered that I could drive her, her new convertible. I was like, ooh, this is going to be great, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's where, the good, here's where it gets good. I'm, I'm backing out, and at the time, Luke's truck, I don't know how to picture this, but anyways, you back out like this, you know, you're coming out, but Luke had his uh, old Ford there, and so you had to kind of like weave around his, and then, uh, but Joe's truck was also in the driveway, so I'm trying to weave through. What do I do? I hit her dad's truck with her mom's car. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, not exactly the, the highlight of our relationship. And then, but we didn't realize it, and no one actually realized what had happened until we're coming, we're coming back from Sacramento, and I see this big old, her, she had a black car, he had a white truck, and we see this big dent with white all over the place. Like, oh, man. So what do we do? We're like, oh, gosh, we're panicking. We stop by O'Reilly's. We grab, like, a dent puller. We're like, oh, we're going to get this thing out. It's going to be okay. We're going to try to fix it. And anyways, long story short, the Lord demonstrated his love that evening um, and the next day to me because through the Sorbers because I get there and, and uh, Riley is like, ooh, this is not going to be good. She's, she knows. She's like, ooh, this isn't going to be good. She's... She's freaking out. She's panicking. But man, the way that they handled it, the way that they responded to me, and continue to respond to me in that moment where we can laugh about it, because we laughed about it 
then at the same time was what it communicated to me was, yeah, this, this is our car, this is our vehicle. I'm going to have a dent in my new car for however many years now. It's always going to be there. You, you, ruin, you ruin this thing of mine, but you are more valuable, Stephen, than this car, than, than the things that I have. And so I believe that when believers walk and live life in true freedom, we give people glimpses and tastes of that freedom because we treat them with the freedom that, uh, that they have access to as well, right? We treat them with the freedom that they have access to as well. I listen to a bunch of podcasts. One of the podcasts I'm listening to is talking about um, some, of the, some of the different um, periods in history and what's happened with slavery in America and that kind of thing throughout history. And one of the things you kind of get is that there was a time, there was a period in life when, um, when a free man walked up to, a, sla- to a, a man that was in slavery, but he treated him like a free man, everyone just kind of stopped. Like, what's going on? Why is he treating him like this? That's a slave. You're free. Why are you treating him as if he's a free man, right? But that, that's what we're, we're called to do. Because Satan's convinced a whole world, a whole ocean of people, that they are slaves. And then we walk around in freedom, and we come and treat them like free people. And I think that's what's going on here, here at the salt mine on a near daily basis when we're interacting with, uh, with people who need assistance, with the homeless who are looked so down upon, and we come up and we treat them like free people. We treat them as if we have the same value. We have the same high price. We treat them like Christ paid the same high price tag for you as he paid for me. And what are we actually doing there? We're communicating. We're actually in that moment presenting the gospel to to everyone we interact with. Amen? Amen? Amen. You are free. You don't have anything to prove. Christ is doing all of the work in you. He set the value, and he even paid for it. That's amazing that he set the value, and then he paid for it. He picked a pretty high price, too. Here's, another, here's a, an example of another lie that Satan will try to convince you of. Try to convince you that your value is attached to how others view you. Attached to how others view you. So now, not only are we trying to compete with this arbitrary value of going up and down, but now I'm concerned and worried about how you view me and how you think of me so that my value can go up. That person thinks awful of me. They hate me, so I must, there's something wrong with me. I need to get, I need to get better at this. I, need, I, need, I, can, I can take care, care of this. But then what it also does is it causes us to manipulate situations and show people only what we think they want to see so that they place a high value on us. We all know that all of us have different ideas of, of value when it comes to, to stuff and things, right? One thing in your home might be really precious and valuable to you, but to me, it's like, oh, it's just a thing, you know? And the same goes for people. It's like sometimes I look at people and they're like, wow, he has this awesome skill. This is, this is amazing. You know, you're, you're looking at um, athletes throughout the world. You're like, this is awesome. But no one goes, goes up and, and uh, says that the, uh, the football, the, the, 
I don't I'm so butchering this because I'm not a sports guy. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no one goes around and looks at, I don't know, a pitcher. We'll do a pitcher. Football pitcher. No. <laughs> no one looks at a pitcher and says, oh, yeah, that guy's great. And you know who's just as great as him? That guy over there that plays bowling every week. That guy's great. Like, no, this guy's awesome. This guy's amazing. He has, he has so much talent. He has so much, so much ability. But if we're looking at the guy, and if I come up to you and I say, man, I just, I just love pitchers. And you're like, yeah, I have a pretty good arm myself. You know? And you're trying to convince this guy that you, you have a similar value. What we do is we hone in on the things that other people like and enjoy and find value in. And then we try to show them those things, right? 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 Amen? <laughs> but that's not how it should be. This causes you to control what other people see of you. It requires you to hide and cover up who you are. And what it actually does is what Satan's actually trying to do is he's trying to shame. He's trying to shame you and trying to convince you that who God created you to be just isn't good enough. It's not good enough. Because that person over there doesn't like this thing about you or doesn't even care about this thing about you, you know? Satan will try to convince you that your value is attached to how others view you. There's no rest, no peace, no security in that. Because I'm, I'm always trying to, one, figure out what people think of me, and then, two, change their opinion of me. And I'm constantly fighting these things, right? There's no freedom in that. It stunts our growth in regards to becoming more like Christ. Because instead of, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to form us to look more like Christ, we're trying to look more like how you want me to look. Right? We're trying to look how that person says I need to look. If, I, if my value was placed on how you guys view me, then it's going to stunt my growth in Christ because now I'm trying to mold, I'm trying to adjust, I'm trying to change myself to fit the view that you guys enjoy and find value in. I say jokes up here that miss all of the time. And, and part of me doesn't care. Because they're hilarious. And, and when you want to join in on the joke, it's cool. It's cool. But I know who I am in Christ. And I'm trying to grow to look more like, like Christ. Not the Stephen that you want me to be. But the Stephen that Christ has created me to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. We should be encouraged by this reality of your value placed on you by God and nothing else. It's an encouraging thing. It's a relieving thing. It takes a pressure, it takes a weight off of our shoulders. Because now we can, we can enjoy who we are in Christ. We're not competing. We're not constantly on guard. We're not watching uh, if our follower numbers are going up and down on Facebook and Instagram and all of this. We're not looking to see how other people view me. It's freeing. You are who Christ has created you to be. And He's doing a work in you so that you look more and more like Him and display and radiate His love every day. And Satan wants nothing more than to put a stop to that. He can't change your value, but He can convince you that your value is otherwise and that you have to work for it. This is also a call to action because now we can confidently walk in the Spirit daily seeking to fulfill the call that God's put on our lives, share His love and spread His name. But now this also, because we see our value and our worth, 
and we understand the worth of every single person around us, we begin fighting for their freedom as well. And we begin answering the call of the Great Commission and going out and spreading the gospel, baptizing and making disciples. Because now I'm concerned with your freedom. And now I'm going to fight for your freedom. There's so much more meant for our lives. And Satan wants to weigh us down with things that mean nothing. They mean nothing at all. Yeah, I don't want to be the rude person in the room. I don't, I don't want to be that guy that just lives selfishly. I also don't want to be that guy that's so concerned and wrapped up with other, what other people think of me that I'm, I'm not allowed to enjoy the freedom that God has prepared for me. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you share this truth with us, that you share the reality that you've placed such a high price on us, that our value is set in stone by you and you alone, and we don't have to work for it, we don't have to compete for it. Father, I pray that you help this truth just saturate our hearts, help us to understand this in such a way that we can begin living free every single day. Help us to understand not only our own value, but the value of those around us, so that we begin fighting for them. We want to be a people that fights for the freedom of our neighbors. We demonstrate your love by fighting in a similar way that you do. We're seeking out freedom for everyone we come in contact with. Father, we want to share your heart. We want our heart for pe- your heart for people to mirror ours. We want to match our heart to yours, Father, when it comes to people. We want to see the true value of every individual we come in contact with. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you give us access to. Thank you for sending your Son that we may enjoy the freedoms of eternity now. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.